The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner. And, you know, in 1935, when FDR created the U.S. Social Security System, the life expectancy at birth was just 61 years old. Today, people are living to be 79 years on average, a full 18 years longer than back in 1935. And Americans are living an average of 10 years longer in just the last half century. What does this extra decade of life look like for the individuals who are aging, for families, for the healthcare system, for our communities, and beyond. And what are the implications of this extra decade? I'm very pleased that Deborah Whitman of the AARP um, has joined me today to answer some of these questions. Um, we're going to get really get into this subject. And really, Deb, what I'm excited to talk with you about is um, understanding that you know these changes I've been describing in the way our population is living longer and the implications of those changes. What is the future of aging? So welcome, Deb. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. Well, I'm very glad to have you here with me today, um, and I want to give a little bit more about your background to our listeners. Um, Deb Whitman is AARP's Executive Vice President of Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs. She's an authority on aging issues with extensive experience in national policymaking, domestic and international research, and the political process. She oversees AARP's Public Policy Institute, as well as several offices of the AARP, and works to develop policy priorities and help make life better for for older Americans. Deb holds a PhD in economics and she's devoted her career to solving problems that affect economic and health security as well as other issues related to population aging. Deb has previously served as staff director for the U.S. Senate Special Committee on Aging where she worked to increase retirement security, preserve a strong system of social security and lower the cost of health care as well as make the pharmaceutical industry more transparent and improve our nation's nursing homes in a bipartisan manner. Deb has really been working on the topics that matter most to so many Americans. She's also conducted research for the Social Security Administration and has served as a health health policy advisor to Senator Ted Kennedy. Wow. So as you can see, Deborah has a lot of experience on the subject of aging and a lot of uh, sort of a wide, broad background to bring to the conversation with us today. So, Deb, let's put this issue in context. As I started out saying, life expectancy at birth in America has risen quite a lot over the past 50 years. And do you mind if we just jump right in and have you tell us what, what are the implications of this for our country? Sure. I mean, 
first of all, how wonderful that we're living longer. You know, that's that's a huge success for our society. And a lot of that's from better sanitation and better medical treatment and um, those types of things. But um, this is a gift um, that we haven't had throughout humanity to have a long and, for many people, a very healthy life. Um, so... I think what's changing is that as a society, we haven't adapted to what to do with these new extra years. And we don't really have a roadmap of how to have a long and healthy and happy and productive life that people can follow. So we need to adapt our society. We need to adapt our own expectations. Um, We need to adapt the policy environment, the way we work, all of those things based on this gift of life. You know, I like the way you just said that, that we don't really have a roadmap for what to do with this extra decade. And, you know, I think that's what caught my attention when I first heard this news is, is thinking about you know, the old patterns we have, the idea, for example, of retirement at 65. And what are the implications of that if, if you have, a, you know, a long life ahead of you post-retirement? So those are the kinds of things we want to dig in to as we talk about um, aging in America on our show today. But Deb, I want to back up for a moment. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about knowing you and knowing your background is how committed you are to this um, very, very important subject. And I'd love it if you could just um, tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you got interested in the topic of aging. Well, I I, I think I owe it to my grandmother. Um, I say to people I've been a family caregiver since I can first remember, and that's because my parents uh, took care of my grandmother for her whole life. Over uh, 45 years, she lived with my family, um, and she had schizophrenia. Um, but was a loving, wonderful woman, and I was very, very close to her and um, just really understood the needs of somebody that had a special challenge um, and watching her age, um, understanding how um, vulnerable people can be as they age and how much help they need. Um, and then I went to college and I um, started studying economics, um, mostly because I was good in math, and realized that a lot of the problems we have in the world are based on the economic system we have and that that would give me some tools to um, maybe make a difference in the world. Um, so I got my Ph.D. and then um, you read of my very extensive long bio. Um, I've been moving around in the aging field um, in a way that's helped me see, you know, working at the Social Security Administration, seeing how um, people need income and a paycheck to keep them going, um, working on health care issues, understanding those complications, uh, working on long-term care and um, the quality of nursing homes and understanding those issues. And, and and I think the, the benefit of that is I'm trying to look at all of the issues that an individual faces as their life. When they age, it's not their health is different and their income is different than their long-term care. They're just living. Um, and too often when we develop policies, we don't think across all aspects of an individual. So um, I, I guess I've been working on aging from a very young age. You have, it sounds like, and I guess we have your grandmother and your family to thank for 
planting the seed in you of care for this topic. And, you know, I'm, I also appreciate the way that you um, commented on the breadth of um, aspects of policy and as well as sort of sort of how all of the things that touch on um, the experience that people have as they become older in our country and, and the way that your bio, biography, which is certainly very impressive when you think about you know, the places where um, an aging person's life is affected, those are the places where you've been. <laughs> those are the, 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 the spots where you've developed a perspective. And I think that makes um, our conversation, you know, even more valuable to us today. I wonder, you know, this extra decade, um, you know, is it well understood that this has happened? You said there's not a roadmap for what to do with this decade. Do Americans grasp that this is available, that this is happening, and that there's a new um, new normal? Uh, well, I'd even go further than, the, than a new decade. My, my friend Laura Carsonson, who runs the Stanford Center on Longevity, talks about the 50 years we've gained over the last century, um, and that this is, this is an, a shock to our evolutionary system. Um, I think she's got a a great perspective on that. And, and, but I agreed, regardless of, of how much it's new, um, we really haven't considered it. And, and unfortunately, the media mostly portrays it or politicians mostly portray it as um, a crisis, a tsunami, a problem, um, rather than an opportunity. And let me just give you one example. We've, we've designed kind of our life that you go to school for the first uh, 20-something years, then you work for the next 40-something years, and then you stop working for the next X amount of years. And the problem is, is we've added more years. We just stuck them on at the end uh, and not looked at how we can actually have um, maybe schooling in the middle of your years and a break um, to take care of your children or your grandparents, in my case, um, and how we can look at this gift of additional life um, and create support systems, create a new way of thinking about how one wants to spend um, and dedicate this time on earth um, into all of the things that they want to accomplish. You know, Deb, it's interesting you just said that and it kind of hit me like a bolt of lightning. I don't know if I've ever really stopped and thought about my own life as a as a span of life that doesn't um, necessarily have to correlate with the standards of our, you know, societal norms, which is, as I think about that, I think, oh my goodness, you know, I would have thought I could have stepped back far enough to see that, but you're right. You know, the reality of today, people are doing more education and mid-career and there are more points of departure and return in the career path than there've ever been before. And yet, we hurry back as if we only have these particular years to do these particular things. Mm-hmm. So thank well, you I for th- that. I, th- I think that's, you know, your field of coaching is taking off with this struggle of people saying, wait a minute, there's something else I need to be doing. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I have some other passions. And, and I think that that's, that's the direction we need to be having is, you know, at different points in your life, looking around and saying, is this where I want to be? Am I as healthy as I can be? Um, have I saved enough? Um, am I using my time um, the way I want to in, in, in my work day and in my personal life? I, th- I think thinking of having um, this extra um, 
and is is really beautiful in that you can plan a whole different future for yourself. But it also comes with pitfalls, and I don't I don't want to say that there aren't any. Um, you know, age isn't a good measure of of where somebody is in their life. So I, you know, I work at ARP, which is fabulous because I'm around vibrant 90-year-olds and 80-year-olds all the time. Um, and then I see unhealthy 40, 50, 60-year-olds as well. And so it's it's about your health and your mental abilities and your financial abilities and taking a bigger picture than just age. And I think that that's really important too. Well, I, I think, um, you know, you've said so many uh, wise and insightful things in that last sentence, um, but I, I want to I kind of zoom in on um, just a, a question I have, which is, um, you know, if you, had to, if you had to talk about just sort of in a nutshell, you know, what are the, what are the top issues for people as they age in our country today? You know, could you just list them for us? Um, there's a long list, and, and let me start with the, the analogy of a board game. I, I don't know if you've ever played uh, the game of life, um, this board mm-hmm. game that you uh, move a little car across uh, around a, a track, and you spin a wheel to see you know, what your fortune will be, and there's two choices in it. Um, well, actually, there's only one choice of whether you go to college or not, um, and... That's not really the way the real game of life works. There's lots of choices, and there's lots of things that come at you more than just spinning the wheel, but there's there's things that you can do to make your future better. Um, college decisions is a huge one because we know it won't it won't only affect um, you know your earnings abilities, which people talk about a lot, um, but it's going to actually the the differences of life expectancy by education are some of the strongest predictors. Um, it's going to make a difference on um, how much you're able to save over the course of your life. But that's those are other decisions people have to make. So I think it's, again, life is complicated, and there's so mm-hmm. many things that come together. Um, that well, you know, Deb, I, as, you're, as you're saying that, you know, I, I, I like that metaphor of, of the board game and the game of life. And understanding choices and I'm understanding also that you're kind of giving us a little bit of a preamble so before you say oh here's the definitive list of issues you want to kind of create some context for that you know we're going to actually take a break right now and when we come back from that break Deb I want to pick up right where you left off and um, and hear more from you about what is those, those sort of common things that that are affecting people today that I think are important for all of us to kind of get. This is Kate Ebner. My guest today is Deb Whitman, AARP's Executive Vice President of Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs. We're talking about the future of aging, and we'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. 
With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back once again to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm delighted to be hosting Deborah Whitman. She is a leader at AARP, and she is a policy expert and someone whose deep background in the issues of aging today um, are so informative for all of us. Deb and I have just been discussing the effects of the longer lifespan and really the opportunity that this presents, and also perhaps the fact that this is an un unprecedented amount of human evolution and it has a positive side and also some consequences for us. So I was asking you right before the break, Deb, if you could outline for us um, what you think are sort of the common um, topics or issues that we all will, will come to face as we age here in this country. And you were sort of explaining that, um, you know, I loved your metaphor of the, the game of life and the fact that there are these choice points. And so I interrupted you with a break. Let's pick that right back up again. Sure. Yeah, I mean, again, there's no one path and people spin the dial and they, they get off the path. So it, it's not easy to win the game of life and end up at, in your 60s, 70s, and 90s in a place where everything is perfect and um, you've you have perfect health and perfect savings and um, all of the things that you want. Um, and that's, you know, and we don't make it easy for people. So let me just give you an example. Um, you know, 
Social Security um, is wonderful. It's a wonderful program because it protects um, millions and millions of people from being in poverty. And, of course, at ARP, we care about that, uh, that program a great deal and making sure that it's secure for the future. But it's not the only thing people should be living on. It's an average benefit of about $12,000 a year, and that's, that's not a lot of money when you still have to pay for health care. So people need to save for themselves as well. Um, and the pension systems have been changing to even make it harder so that you have to take on more responsibility to take money out of your paycheck and put it aside. Um, and we make that even harder because not all employers let you do that each month out of your paycheck. In fact, half of all workers can't save from their paycheck because their employer doesn't offer them an opportunity to. So that's an example of, so the right thing to do is to put money aside each month and to put a good amount of money each side each month and save it up for your future, and then you have a great nest egg. But for so many people, either they don't have that opportunity or they're paying for college, they're paying for their expenses, um, they need that money for an emergency. Those are the things that we don't make it easy um, to help people reach the end of that game as a, as a winner. Yes, you know, as you're as you're describing that, it really rings true to my own experience, my experience of, of my family and friends, and you know, it's um, it's not even always clear what the best strategy is for saving for and planning for the future. I think that's something that often people feel like they're, you know, kind of alone in trying to figure out um, how to plan for it and and how much is enough or, you know, how how even to cover all the bases, you know, to the point we were making earlier about the many things that need consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, um, as you think about uh, these topics of, of getting older, um, certainly Social Security is, um, you know, a benefit that is much discussed and perhaps not for the long term in, in our country. And I'm, I'm curious what you think um, the government, you know, should be doing or could be doing to rethink its approach to caring for people through benefits like Social Security and Medicare? Well, well, first of all, I don't want any of your listeners to get the wrong impression that Social Security isn't there for the long term. So um, a lot of people think when uh, we hit 2037 or the year that um, the trust funds will run out, then no benefits will come after that. And that's that's not even legally true. The, the the law says that the benefits have to then match the taxes, and so right. everybody would get 75% of what they're promised. So they, they would get something, and that's if, if Congress and if the president and if ARP and all the people that care about this program do nothing between now and then to fix it. Um, but there is, you know, there are costs to an aging society the way we set it up right now, and um, there's costs to young kids, too. Um, and we need to decide what our values are and what, where our investments will be for the future. And that's why, um, you know, looking at the lifespan, you know, do we want to add all of those years on the end of life um, and think of them as dead years where people aren't contributing and they're only taking from uh, entitlement programs and other programs? I, I don't think that's the way many people want to live and grow old. And I don't think that that is really the future if we evolve to thinking about how we can capture the energy of this aging population, use their talents, 
um, have them continue, continue to um, work even part-time to contribute. Um, it can be good for them. It can be good for the society. And if we really rethink the whole structure of the system, it's a problem we can solve. Well, I like I like the uh, the way you're thinking, and you know, even the idea of sort of um, you know the end of life and adding those years to the end of life. You know, I guess we mean, do we mean post retirement when we say that? Yeah, I meant post retirement. Yes, not, yeah, <laughs> not that you can get to come back later. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway. Um, so, so you know, what would be an alternative approach? Like, what what ideas or what kind of um, creative thinking is going on out there right now? Well, I, I think a lot of people we've, we've seen um, people other people actually retiring later and later each year, and part of that's been the economic downturn, and people feel that they have their jobs and they're going to keep them a little bit longer. But I think part of it's also understanding that. Uh, for many people, work is a connection to friends. It's a connection to something they feel valued in. Um, we need to make sure that there are good jobs for people and that um, that people are supported in their workplace to have the flexibility that they may want later in life. Um, but if we do that and we use the contribution of older people, um, either in for paid work or volunteer work, it's a huge resource that our society um, needs to tap if we want to continue to grow and to um, have people grow as, as human beings. Well, I'm curious, you know, in the as we think about our society and um, we think about uh, what it means to live longer and, and the impact on families and um, coming, Deb, off of um, a year of thinking about and caring for my own family members who are aging. And I'm, I'm curious about what we need to do now to ensure that our older people in our families will have adequate care in the future and that the caregivers have the support that they need um, from their employers and, and the rest of society for the important work that they're doing. What do you think about that? That's a, that's a fantastic question because, again, this is, um, this is a problem that most people um, are experiencing right now, having to take care of a loved one, but very few people are talking about. Um, and employers are starting to see but not fully understand in the way that they did um, with women entering the, the labor force and having to, to take care of children. Um, there's so much we need to do to support family caregivers that are, um, you know, trying to navigate our, you know, crazy health care system, um, trying to take care of their own families, um, trying to take care of their own health. Um, and we have so few supports out there for them. Um, one of the things I'm proud of at AARP is we actually have a website resource for, um, for caregivers that um, is at aarp.org backslash caregiving. And there's chat rooms where you can link up with somebody that's going through the same experiences. We bring in experts. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's often very lonely um, not knowing where to look out and, and trying to balance the needs of the person you love to take care of and, and, and your own health. I think that's true, and it, it can be. It's you know what what struck me about it as I started to do it was that it's new. You know, mm-hmm. it's unprecedented in anyone's life to 
become, you know, it's the, there's a first time moment where suddenly you're caring for your, your aging parents or aging family member. And it's, um, you know, you're, you're finding your way with understanding everything from your, your family members' financial situation, their health care benefits, their, you know, who mows their grass, you know, how to, mm. how, how to, you know, how to understand their uh, resources and their preferences. And so we all are kind of new to it in a similar way that that first child that we have is introducing us to the world of parenting. So there's a, there is a sense of being, you know, uh, like alone at first, at least mm-hmm. as you, as you go down this path. And one big difference, though, is you have nine months to prepare <laughs> for when a child is going to come. And often, you know, one of your loved ones will have a fall um, or a heart attack or a stroke or a something that all of a sudden they need you tomorrow um, and your whole life can get get turned upside down. And I think, you know, there's, there's similarities and there's differences, um, but it's um, usually not somebody something that everybody plans for as well, because a lot of times we don't want to think about needing help. Mm So, um, you know, people don't always buy things like long-term care insurance or set enough money aside to take care of themselves and because they don't want to think about needing help. You're right. Whereas we love thinking about starting families, we don't love thinking about needing help um, at the end of life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going we're, we're gonna to take another break right now. And when we come back, I'd love to invite you to share your vision of how it could be, maybe not how it is right now, but how it could be in the future. Um, so if that sounds good to you, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. This is Kate Ebner, my guest, Deb Whitman from AARP. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Calling all CFOs, finance, and risk professionals. Your call to action is to help your company achieve financial excellence. How? Master risk management, cost control, and strategic decision-making by implementing game-changing technology advances like mobile, in-memory, and cloud computing, and more. Where? Learn from top thought leaders each week on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Join us for Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Business Channel. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy, with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. 
Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello again. This is Kate Ebner, and today I'm discussing... Uh, aging in America and the implications of the fact that we are living longer than ever before and we haven't yet taken a good look at the implications of this for our society. Um, Deb Whitman, Executive VP of Policy Strategy and International Affairs at AARP is here with me today. She's an expert on aging and I'm so pleased to have her on the show because she's helping me certainly and I'm sure you too think uh, more deeply about these issues and perhaps turn our attention to a topic that we are inclined to actually turn away from for the reasons we were talking about before the break. Um, so, Deb, we were talking about caregiving and about the challenges, and you you referred to this um, briefly, and I wanted to go back to it, and that's um, that employers are only beginning to realize that their employees are needing time to take care of family members and um, there's a, sort of a, a growing demand. Uh, people are even leaving jobs. I had talked to someone last week who said that she quit her job to go home and be with her mother at the end of life. And um, you know, this is a, this is an issue that's not going to become smaller. Probably will increase as um, our aging population grows and, and lives longer. So I wanted to just return to that and ask you what you think. You know, from an from an employer perspective, or sort of from a policy perspective. What's being done right now as people are contemplating um, the implications of a longer life on employment policy, for example? That's a great question. And thinking about your friend, um, you know, how beautiful for her to be there for her loved one at the end of life. But oftentimes when people leave their jobs, they put their own financial future at risk. We've calculated they could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars by lost wages, lost Social Security benefits, having to have their other resources. So we do have to really support people. And um, and one way to do it for employers that are really advanced, they're hiring elder care locators. So you, you talked about um, your own family situation where you're sort of scrambling around for resources. And there's people out there that can be helpful with that. And uh, there's government agencies, uh, the... Um, um, out there that can be helpful, and I, I refer people back to the website at AARP for those those links. Um, but another piece of it is is talking to your employer about the flexibility that you need. And again, it's a little bit harder than um, than thinking about kids in daycare because often um, your set of doctor's appointments aren't at the same time every day that you may need to drive a loved one to. Um, so you may have to have a real conversation about, okay, I'm going to do my work in 
across the week, um, but I will have to, you know, occasionally be gone for a period of time in order to take care, take my mom to see her neurologist or um, take my dad to a foot specialist. And having those conversations need to be okay in the workplace, um, and people need to be able to also learn from each other so they're not um, looking for resources as newbies each and every time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, as you say that, it's it's it it, it really you're really um, illuminating how different this conversation really is from the the new family conversation and the the policies related to um, you know family leave and, and so on. And you know, again, it really is ringing true to me to my experience. You just don't know what's going to happen next. You don't have control over that and uh, the unpredictability and the um, dire nature at times of some of some of these events can be, you know, really gripping. And, and it makes me wonder, Deb, right now we've been doing a lot of shows on this radio show about the new millennial generation that's coming along. And certainly they are underemployed, they are looking for work. And then you have this uh, sort of middle generation who's trying to also negotiate flexible time for aging family members and um, it looks to me like there's some demand on the employment system to develop greater flexibility overall. Is that really what's happening? I, I think so and, and there's huge career opportunities for the young generation. I I, I tell um, people when I'm trying to mentor, you know, aging is a gross industry. <laughs> you should figure out where you can best, best contribute. Um, and and so there there are needs that again if we look at the evolution of society there there are new jobs that people never had and there are new demands for skills like geriatric specialists because we know um, older people are taking you know multiple chronic conditions and are taking multiple jobs and multiple drugs and medicines and we need somebody that can understand them from a full perspective mm-hmm. um, we know we need um, people that. Um, um, can help drive somebody as their sight um, gets reduced. We need um, folks that can help um, um, do uh, rehabilitation of muscles after um, a fall or a health incident. There's all kinds of new areas uh, that are going to be demanded with an aging society that open up new economic opportunities. Well, thank you. That's a very um, forward-looking, you know, call. I guess, I guess it's actually a very positive idea for young people who are looking to develop careers, and particularly if they want to do something that involves helping people. Um, there's the, the need is there, the demand is growing, and now I want to ask you, Deb, because um, you know it's such a treat to be able to talk with you and to be able to hear you reflect on these sort of everyday questions that people have about aging. I wonder from a, the perspective of vision, you know, this, this show is really about inviting, you know, guests like you to share with us what you can see or what you could envision based on your much deeper and greater knowledge than what most of us have about this issue. And if maybe you could describe a future that we could get excited about too, so that we can all work together toward um, something better when it comes to the future of aging. So my question is simpler than my lead up. And my question is simply when you, when you think about the future that you're really working toward, what are you really hoping for? What would, what would you love to see when it comes to how we, 
how we age as a population. And, and this is where, where I deal with so many different parts of the aging system. I can think of a hundred answers, but uh, it's basically to create a um, society that leads people down that right path as they age. And, and, and again, I believe we are starting to age from the moment we're born, and those are the decisions that we make when we're young and when we're middle-aged are going to play out over the course of our life. And so, so what do I mean by that? Um, how can we create um, health systems that keep people healthy for most of that life that they have? Um, that's parting, you know, encouraging people to eat and exercise. How can we keep people financially secure? How can we make sure that things like Social Security are there for the long run, that we make it easy for people to save for themselves um, and protect them from um, times in their life when they would have to tap their future um, in order to pay for their present? How can we create communities um, that support each other. And so that one I'm going to get in a little bit of specificity um, because there is a great movement going on um, that I'll use as an example. Um, the village movement, um, and now it's not the village people, um, but there are neighborhoods. Uh, we have one in uh, we have a couple here in D.C., one on Capitol Hill. Um, the founding one was in Beacon Hill in Boston where the neighbors got together and decided that they as a group would support each other and that they would <coughs> sorry they would contribute money to belong um, to a group but they would also help each other when needed and when um, somebody's health declined and needed a doctor's trip that would be part of the pooled resources that they have. They would have a driver that can do that for people who needed it or a neighbor that would volunteer uh, and check in. Um, these have been incredibly powerful because most people want to age in their home. Um, even as their health decline, they want, they want to live and die where they've lived and lived their whole lives. Um, and it creates a, a family beyond the family that I think um, is a thing to think about, um, not just for how we age, but really how we live our lives throughout the whole thing. Oh, thank you for that. That is a wonderful example and a great, a great vision. And it sounds like what you're saying is, is people can, um, can come together locally to create the support that they need as individual families and also as a community. And that... Mm -hmm. The answers, many of the best answers may actually come from, from that kind of a um, community process. Um, and I, I also love, Deb, when you were really describing about your vision, I was thinking, oh, you know, when we think about how it could be instead of how it is, there's a different energy to envisioning possibilities for a, of the future than there is to solving problems that exist today. And so as you were talking about that, and thinking about that, um, I think it, it's very energizing to consider that just because the models aren't right in front of us doesn't mean we can't conceive of them and make them happen in the same way that you invited us to step back and look at the span of your lifetime and think about how you want to live it rather than um, sort of blindly you know, working, retiring, and, and segmenting in the way that perhaps we have in the past. So giving me a lot of good food for thought. Um, what do you wish for people, for elderly people in America? You know, if you could just say a wish that you have for all people who are 
are old and perhaps, you know, struggling? Um, I want them to be valued um, for who they are um, and um, and whatever capacity they they have to give. As, as I talked about, um, you know, I work with vibrant, amazing 90- and 80-year-olds and even some 100-year-olds. Um, and I also um, very much loved my grandmother, um, who died at 95, and um, wasn't the person that she was when she was 50 and 60 and 80. But, but we need to value all humans where they are, whenever they are, whatever age they are. Um, and that's, that's really what I hope we can, we can do as a society going forward. Well, thank you very much. I share that with you, and I, I, you articulated it so beautifully. I think it's time, actually, for our last break, um, Deb. And when we come back, I want to I just understand a little bit more about, you know, any, any advice that you might have for us about how to prepare our families for aging. I'd like to talk with you a little bit more about what you think we should be thinking about when we're in our 40s and our 50s. So we'll be right back. Once again, this is Kate Ebner, and I'm talking today to Deb Whitman of AARP. We're talking about the future of aging. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back for our last segment of today's show. As you know, I'm talking with Deb Whitman of AARP. And, you know, before the break, Deb, you really shared with us some fresh thinking about how communities and families can um, plan for and really take care of each other during the process of caring for loved ones who are aging. And it was really nice, actually, to hear you talk about your grandmother and to... to um, to continue to 
help us uh, think about uh, the dignity that every person really uh, needs and deserves no matter what age or what stage of life. You know, when you look at your own life and and look out into the future, looking at your parents, looking at your family, um, I'm curious about, you know, what's, what, knowing what you know, what steps do you think those of us who are at or approaching the middle of life should be taking right now to prepare ourselves and our families for the aging process as it occurs? Well, I'll say what people should be doing, and then, um, you know, as doctors are, they're not always the best patients, so, um, you know, the mm-hmm. list, is, list is fairly common. We should eat right. <laughs> makes a big difference. We should exercise. makes a huge difference. Um, we should uh, save a lot. Um, we should have a strong community around us. Um, those are the, you know, sort of doctor's orders types of things. There's also some more subtle things. You know, we should um, think about how we want to see ourselves um, over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years um, and, and really have those conversations with our loved ones of what we want to we want of the years that we have out of life. Um, I think we should... Um, not be afraid to talk about what happens if our health could deteriorate. Um, those conversations are always better to have in our 40s and 50s rather than um, when there is a crisis and we um, are thrown in a situation that we would have never wanted to be in. Um, we should think about our house um, in our 40s and 50s. Do we need that size of house? Is this size... Is this house with stairs going to really work for me when I'm older? Um, maybe when I'm redoing my bathroom, I should put in some grab bars. Um, all of those types of subtle decisions that you make can set you up um, in the future um, for making it easier um, for you and your entire family. That's great advice. That's wonderful advice to hear. And I think one thing that I know I personally am going to take away from our conversation is what you just said, you know, envisioning the next, you know, 20, 30 years and really thinking about um, how I'd like it to go and what I need to begin to put in place now so that it does go um, the way that I would like it to rather than um, just get to that reactive moment where there's a crisis. You know, I think that's a use of the idea of visioning as well is to really uh, stop and let yourself think out to the future and really see it. But, you know, you can see it from a fear perspective in sort of a, oh no, you know, it's going to be terrible. Or you can really think about how you'd really love it to work and then begin to think about if it was going to come out that way, what, what might you be doing now that would help you move in that direction? So I think part of what you just told us was actually a call to vision about family, about health, and about your own aging. Um, you know, Deb, is there anything that people don't really understand about aging or that, that you'd like to say to people who are maybe at the brink of retirement and thinking about this this next period? You know, and, and I, I don't, I'm not actually... I don't want you to feel pressure to say something profound so much as, you know, what what should somebody who's in their early 60s or mid 60s and is looking potentially at this next next 20 to to 30 or even 30, 35 or 40 years, what what next? What should they be thinking about? 
Okay, I have to get wonky economist on you because I can't help myself. <laughs> Please do. I, I worry a lot about ninety-year-old um, women in poverty. I that, that's that's the sort of judge of of how I design policies, um, and that's because. So many women don't have their own pensions and their social security benefits are lower um, and um, they live longer and they're less likely to have a spouse. So so if I can solve the problem that gets somebody to be 90 and not in poverty and living well, then I've done, I've done a good job on at least the income side. So I think people really need to look at what they have and their expenses and really play around with um, you know, what they can afford to take out each month, um, thinking through uh, annuities, other lifetime income products that will help make sure their money lasts as long as they do, um, looking at their housing costs, including utilities and future taxes. And, you know, people are very attached to their home. It's, is, is this house the right one for me? Is that a place I can save? Asking those types of questions um, you know, hopefully means that um, you're going to have comfort and financial security as you age. And, and I think that that is so, there's so many variables and we make it so hard for people um, that the, the people really often need extra advice in, in that period of their life of, of how to make all those things come together in the right way. Yes, I'm seeing kind of a whole new um, career field emerging you know, per your earlier comment, where the where it's sort of, um, I don't know if I want to call them sort of aging coaches, <laughs> but maybe more people who really help you sit down and think about your whole picture. You know, in this in this this phase, because it it is hard to get a big enough view and to understand how how your choices, for example, around your home might implicate you know affect your financial you know, situation or, or how your financial situation might limit or expand the options that you have. And, and with all of that, how your lifestyle can best be maintained and sustained. So it's, it is a complex picture. And yet the other thing I'm taking away from what you just said, Deb, is that it's, it seems like it, there's an emotional piece to this. In other words, it's, it can be hard to get ourselves to sit down and talk about the future and a future that may not um, be a positive one in every sense, you know. So there's a little bit of resistance. I can feel it even in myself, as is your you're inviting us to have these courageous conversations. But I guess what I'm also taking away is how important it is to move beyond that, and the chances that it's going to turn out the way you want it to probably go way up if you can mm-hmm. have the conversations. Um, so we're in our last moment here, and I, I want to ask you, Deb, if people want to follow you or learn more about. Um, healthy aging, the future of aging, where you've been sending the, us to the AARP site. Um, any any other thoughts or would you mind saying again where you think we might go to learn more? Sure. I wanted to give a shout out for that Caregiving Resource Center because we've really put a lot of work in, in putting tools there to help people and, and that's a time in your life when you, you really need that. So um, it's aarp.org backslash caregiving. Um, 
you know, there's there's great resources all over the place, depending on the ARP site, depending on what it is that you need. Let's say you want to know what Social Security is going to pay. Um, we've got great calculators um, to estimate that, um, to try and convince you to, to stay, to, to not take them as long as you can, because that increases your benefits going forward. Um, there's lots of things to play with there. Um, we also have a beautiful site um, at lifereimagined.org, um, which helps people when they're trying to figure out what they want to do next in their life. It leads them through some um, some visioning exercises to, to think what's important to them and, and how to solve their own problems. And that's lifereimagined.org, right? Yes. Great. And I should mention for our listeners that we actually had a show dedicated to Life Reimagined and what Richard Leiter, uh, Alan Weber, and others are doing with AARP to really help people reimagine this second stage of life. So if you're interested, there's that radio show as well as a resource to thinking about that aspect of aging. So I want to say thank you, Deb, for joining me today. This has really been um, a very provocative conversation for me personally and, and a fascinating one. I would love to have you you back again or at least to continue the conversation somehow with you about this topic. But thank you so much for taking time. Thanks, Kate. It's been an honor to participate with you. Thank you, and thanks for listening. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 